Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today we are talking about eating disorders. Yeah, that's kind of a rough subject, one the church doesn't really like to deal with, but it's kind of necessary. And I've got someone to help me deal with that subject. Her name is Lorraine Masters. Lorraine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Before we get started, I wanted to give a couple of updates. The Teresa Blaze Show is still going. Believe me, I've, I've had a few hiccups there, but you know what? God is so faithful and so good. Yeah, there's just been a lot of really good stuff. So that's happening. Social Hazard Radio, yeah. Due to the fact that we are literally, as of this recording, still in a hotel and stuff like that, we were just having a bunch of issues. And so it is coming, but it's kind of on hiatus for the moment. I mean, we've got everything ready. We just got to get it out there and launched it. Yeah, so it is coming. Trust me on that. But uh and I've got some things planned for unresolved that are just really neat. I think you guys are going to enjoy them. But that said, let's move on with the content, shall we? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like now and what you do? Yes. Now I am a pastor of a, uh, I don't have a church, but I'm credentialed. I'm the author of four books. I'm a radio personality. I've been in radio for 25 years and Christian and classic hit radio. I have Lyme disease, and I'm a survivor of Lyme disease, and I'm also an eating disorder survivor, and I've had all three of the major eating disorders. I actually wrote a book about eating disorders called Hungry Heart, How One Woman Found Love, and that is the story of my journey of recovery from an eating disorder, and it started very simple. It started with I was 14, and I wanted to lose weight because I wanted guys to like me. You know, you're at that age where you just, you start feeling, okay, something's not right. You're very, you're very aware of your body and it went to the extreme. Today, I can say I'm thankful for it because my journey that started out with losing weight brought me into a relationship with the Lord. And it was so much more than just losing the weight it, as it was um, discovered. When you start to do something in your life that maybe is to better your life and you realize this isn't changing in the way I, you hoped it would change, you become aware of something deeper in your soul, a deeper hunger that even though perhaps you have everything in order in your life, you and with me for eating, it was getting to the normal weight and things were still not right. I really started searching deeper into, okay, what what is not right in my life. And what turned out, what started out to be just an extreme losing weight to get attention and became a search for God, I know you're the only one that can heal me from this disorder. So it started out with, I was seeking him to fix me. You know, I don't want to be obsessed with food. I want to weigh normal. Um, but it turned out to where along the way, as he healed me, and it was a process, it was 16 years total, I fell so in love with the Lord. So that's where I'm at today of that journey of 
despair and hopelessness to God has restored me and given me way more than I ever thought I would ever get. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Because you said that this began at age 14. Um, but did this, I mean, did you grow up in a Christian home or was it a broken home? Well, it was a very broken home. We went to church, but there was no power. Uh, my parents could not stand each other from day one. Lots of fighting, lots of disorder. My dad was emotionally absent. My mother yelled <laughs> and she loved us with food which was very common, you know, back when, you know, her mother did the same thing and she did the same thing and she, it, she couldn't, she wasn't aware of the, you know, what she was doing. She, she did the best she could, could do, you know, and I realize that now, and that's a real freedom thing because, you know, you can blame somebody, your parents for your issues, your entire life, but it doesn't help you anymore. <laughs> You know, it, you can blame it doesn't work when they just did the best they could. And that's a real freeing thing. So, no, it was very broken, very empty. I had a hole in my heart from day one. Growing up, did you know about God? Was he at all in the equation or was it just we go to church to look good? And, oh, by the way, uh, here's how things really are. Because of the dysfunction in my family, I knew God existed. I always believed in God, but I didn't think he liked me very much. I thought he liked everyone else because I was associating his love with how my life was going. And so, yeah, God's up there. And so as a result, I just, you know, thought, okay, he can fix me, but I'm sure he doesn't want anything to do with me. So just fix me and then just go help all the beautiful people. And I was certainly not one of those in my estimation. And so by the time you reach age 14... Was there any other contributing factors besides you wanting guys to like you? Was there any kind of bullying or anything of that nature? Yes, there was. I was teased constantly. And that is where actually the book came from because I unloaded it all in a journal. So I wanted that to end. The deeper part of me felt I had to earn love. And the only thing I thought that was wrong with me according to the way I was teased and I had a younger sister who got all the dates and I didn't was the way I looked. So I thought, all I have to do, this power is mine. I'll just change the way I look and everything will be perfect. And that is a belief. I believe that hasn't gone away today. We put so much stock into changing the outward appearance to look for the deeper soul hunger and it doesn't reach the soul. You really do see that, especially coming out on social media with all the selfies and all this and all that. And um, I could definitely see where that really plays into things. Well, three out of every 100 people in the country eats in a way that is distorted enough to warrant treatment. So that means, you know, look around you. And sometimes it's easy. It's easy to see, but sometimes it's not so easy because eating disorders can be hidden for years and years. And there's always some fad going on. I am just, I am shocked because these fads that we go on, whether it's, you know, it used to be fat was bad, you know, and then sugar was bad. And now it's carbs are bad. And what that does is real life happens. There's going to be an office party where you're going to have cake or donuts. What's going to happen if you're not doing carbs? And you have carbs, you know, you have maybe a couple donuts. What's going to happen the next day? You blew it and you try to keep yourself in some ketosis state to lose weight, but it's not realistic. 
And so we set ourselves up for eating disorders. And that's the biggest thing in my recovery. I had to get to the point where nothing was off limits. If I wanted to have a donut, I had a donut. Of course, you'd need to throw in all the nutrition and too much sugar will make you crave sugar. I eat very healthy, but I also allow myself to have, if I want to have, you know, a donut, I allow myself those things. Otherwise, the craving will set it up and that'll get me into binge eating. And this has been trial and error, you know, and I, you know, I'm at the point now though, that I know which foods make me feel better. And I eat that 90% of the time. But when you start eliminating whole food groups, that's when you're setting yourself up for an eating disorder. And that's what we're doing. We're still doing that now with carbs. I would I am shocked to get that we would get to the point where fruit is bad. No, 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 be careful. Uh, you're kidding. An apple is bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a carb. It can you can start gaining weight on apples because of what we've done to our body. It's just a different way to do it now with the carb thing. But there's always been something, you know. And we're getting fatter. We're getting fatter as a society, too. <laughs> It's not helping. <laughs> you said that there are three types of eating disorders. Uh, can you kind of go through what they are and what the differences are? Yes. Um, anorexia, I think, is one that we recognize the most because it's so obvious when you see someone that has it. And it's the one that of all disorders will affect your heart and it can cause you know, fatality. For it is the eating disorder that is the most serious just because of what you do to your body. And that's with the exercising excessively. You avoid meals, um, meal times. Uh, you deny that your thinness is a problem. You can you try to hide your thin body um, by wearing bulky clothes. You're preoccupied with food, constantly dieting, scarred knuckles from inducing vomiting. And if it's left untreated, it can cause dental problems, kidney problems, and so much more. Um, anorexia is a hard thing. My heart just breaks for any parent, any friend to see someone go through this, to purposely put yourself in a situation where you're starving yourself to death. It is tragic. And then there's the binge eating disorder, which is what a lot of Americans have right now. But it's not just eating too much. People with binge eating disorder will, they'll binge on large quantities of food, but then they will feel such shame and guilt about it that they will fast. And then that fast in itself, which I did for years, will set yourself up to binge again. And that's a, a serious problem too. But the evidence of it is large amounts of food disappear. Lots of empty food wrappers or containers, and that was so common for me. I was not a good roommate for that <laughs> for that very reason. And then uh, there is bulimia nervosa. It used to just be called bulimia, and that's where you you'd like the binge eating disorder, except you throw up the food, you purge, you use laxatives, you fast, you exercise excessively to compensate for overeating. I grew up in North Dakota, and I would jog when it was twenty below. I'm shocked that I do that now. And I remember there was such freedom that I was at my point of recovery where it's, where I told myself, you know, it's cold out. I can exercise inside and that's okay. I remember exactly where I was at when in my car when I got that freedom. Common signs of bulimia are, of course, the food disappearing. You can hide it easily because you can go out for pizza, eat a couple pieces of pizza, but 
something can be snapping while you're eating and you know you're going to meet with food later at home in private and you're going to eat and eat until you don't feel anymore. Um, there's often evidence of purging, lots of trips to the bathroom after meals. If, the, if you know someone in your life and the water is running a long time after they've eaten a meal, find out what's going on. Talk about it. There's a certain smell. Packages of laxatives may be found. Skipping meals is a big thing. Complaining about being fat. That's a big thing. And then using mouthwash, mints excessively. So there are, there certainly are signs and they're serious. They are, they can be very, very serious. You actually dealt with all three of these. How did you actually get to the point then that you, one, came to know Christ and two, came to realize that this was a problem? I mean, did you have all three of these at the same time? Well, I started out anorexic. I just lost weight so fast. And I started out in a healthy way. I would just, instead of having, you know, two desserts and that, you know, couple candy bars, I just would have one. And I actually started exercising more. And if I could have just stayed there, but what I started thinking was, you know, I'm getting a lot of positive reinforcement from losing weight. If I lost more, I'd get more reinforcement. If I would have, could have just maintained that and the healthy eating, the exercise, but I didn't. And mentally, my mind was at the point of anorexia because I was giving food power. I, that was how I was trying to control my life. And I like this boy, which I talk about in my um, book, Hungry Heart, How One Woman Found Love. I would write him letters all the time. And I said, you know, I love you very over the top emotionally, but you know how it is when you have a, when you're a teenager, your emotions aren't always, you know, um, what's the word proper, um, realistic, but I would say, I love you. And I said, but don't love me yet because I'm going to lose more weight and then it'll be perfect. Well, he of course didn't know what to say since he was 14 too. And it was the strangest thing because I, I started getting obsessed with him because he was nice to me and no boys were nice to me. But I remember a day where I realized this isn't working. He's not liking me the way he was supposed to in my fantasy. And of course I would feed this fantasy with all, with the movies and, you know, romantic songs. And it was always us and, you know, on the horse drive, you know, galloping along the, the ocean and, all these scenes. And then I, it hit me that he's not, he's not returning this. And I binged the worst ever that day. And that's when I started um, throwing up because I didn't want to be fat again, but I was confused. And I stayed in that overeating, binging for five years. Did your parents know that something was wrong? No, the whole town was impressed with me because I lost weight and was so committed to exercise. No, see, and what my personality was like, I, no one would have ever known if I would have died from an eating disorder and I was suicidal too because of the hopelessness of, you know, being stuck in this disorder, I would have been one of those kind of people where, oh, you are kidding me because she was so friendly and she's so happy and she's in everything. When I was in sports, I was in you know, choir and band. I was at theater, had a lot of friends, just didn't have the guys that I wanted to like me, like me. But outside of that, 
So no, they were not aware at all. They just thought it was committed, dedicated. And then the eating, the binge disorder, that was mainly during when I started getting counseling. I, I went to Bismarck, North Dakota, and I figured they must have a counselor there and actually had a scholarship. And I started, went there and I wanted to go to a counselor. I didn't have a lot of money. I wrote the, like the community counselor and I, the treatment center. And I said, do you have a Christian counselor? And so I just paid on a sliding scale. And that was when I really started seeking God. But the binge disorder, um, overeating, that was during, oh, that was a hard, hard time. But that was probably, you know, eight years of my recovery without throwing up, without exercising excessively. And so I did gain, you know, I did gain some weight, but it was the healthiest time in my life. The thing with eating disorders is food can become your drug. And you, let's say you have an awful day at work, you're stressed about things, somebody didn't talk to you at school, you know, you're worried about money, whatever it is. Once you start eating, your stomach starts getting full. And pretty soon, all you're thinking about is, how am I going to lose weight again? What am I going to do? I need to start exercising. And instead of thinking about that problem anymore, you're thinking about, how am I going to fix my pathetic life? If only I could lose weight, I wouldn't have any of these issues. And as a result, you don't grow emotionally. So I was at a very immature emotional stage for a long, long time. So once you start dealing with those emotions, it is very, very intense. But it's so worth it. It is so worth it. And I needed so much help. I was just so open to God. I went to um, Overeaters Anonymous, you know, that was a free group. There's a, lots of free, you know, support groups. And I was just seeking and people in the group h- knew the Lord and they would talk about how God helped them. And at first I was kind of like, well, that's strange. And then they would talk about how they still wanted him in their life. And I thought, well, that's weird too, because <laughs> I had a father image I had to deal with. But it was a pro- it was a process, but I kept seeking God, and God is so gracious and loving and merciful. He desires relationship with us. A lot of people may say, don't go to God just what you can get. And I'm sitting there, keep communication with the Lord going. You may be surprised. He may answer your prayer, and there may be a glimpse, there may be a hope in your heart that, you know, He's more than just a God that answers prayers. He wants a relationship with me. And that's that was the process with me. And that is how I was saved from myself because I was suicidal for years. I was just in such a trap with eating. But eating wasn't the real issue. The eating was the soul hunger that only the Lord could fill. Wow. So you go to counseling and you begin this recovery for 16 years. How did you finally know that you were free of it? I mean, to the point of, I'm okay. When some of the same emotions that would just cause me to hide and, you know, get a dozen cookies for starters, when I was actually able to stay with pain and not run from it without, you know, food there, that's how I knew. And it's amazing when we don't try to medicate ourselves, we open ourselves up to help from the Lord and just in a supernatural way. Because when we try to take care of ourselves, our emotions, we're saying, okay, God, I got this. 
And it used to be, I'd just go to God and say, please change me. I feel awful now. I don't want to pig out anymore. But when you can go to God at the beginning of that emotion, instead of going to food and just stay in his presence and let him heal you, you become a different person. You become mature. You, you start to realize that, you know, the body is temporary, but the soul lasts forever. And that's what Jesus came to save and redeem. So the day when my old coping mechanisms, which are very worldly, you know, very worldly, when I was done with them, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm willing to try something else. And that may mean I'm going to have to just stay here with you for an hour and cry in your presence. I'm not going to go to food. And that was the biggest thing when I started to choose. I like to say, get yourself away from the scene of the crime. And in my case, it was the kitchen. <laughs> because once you do, now, now I am naturally, my first response is when I've had going through something is, Lord, please help me. And if food isn't there for me to try to medicate myself, I open up myself to all the assistance from the Lord and it's incredible what ha- might happen. I might read something, you know, I, a scripture. Somebody might call me. You know, you open yourself up to the multitude of ways that the Lord wants to minister. So when I was open to that, to let God be God, and I'm not God, and I can't control my world by what I eat or what I don't eat, even though it wasn't, oh, I don't feel pain. No, I felt a lot of pain. But when I was allowing the Lord, you heal this in me. I'm not going to try to fix myself because I can't. I can't fix myself. So it wasn't just the, the food and the weight and the body image that the Lord healed. He healed that deeper part of my soul that we all have, that empty part of us that's hungry for a relationship with him. It took my eating disorder for me to realize how empty I really was. And food can't fill it. It's impossible. We're not created that way. You know, as I hear you, um, to bring this out to someone who may not struggle with an eating disorder, but they're using something else to um, to cope. You know, maybe it's not food. Maybe it's uh, addiction to something else like, you know, gaming or drugs or something else. What I hear you saying is there has to be a place where you stop running from the stuff and allow God into it. And sometimes what become can become an abrupt stop sign in our lives is painful because it doesn't have to be something that's, you know, drugs or alcohol or anything like that. It can be something as simple as shopping, you know, online shopping. Um, it's so easy to get credit cards now, you know, getting over our head because that's a, that is a pleasure thing which is also a trick of the enemy because it's temporary stuff. You know, it doesn't fill the empty part of our soul. I mean, it's nice to have toys. Of course it is. But, you know, look at the lifespan of people. And it's true. It's an old saying, but you can't take your toys with you. So, you know, though, if you are at a point where there's a stop sign, there's a red light, thank the Lord for that because you're going to get to know your creator in a way that you never have before. And it takes what it takes. You know, God, he, he would have it that none would perish. So if you've maxed your credit cards out because too much, you know, shopping on eBay and Amazon or whatever it is, you know, living above your means, it can be turned out to be an incredible thing. 
because we all hunger. We all, you know, life hurts all of us. And my, my drug of choice was food. We want to be comforted. We want to have fun. We want to have permanent vacation on the beach, but that's not life. And so we want to comfort ourselves. And the comfort that we need that's going to last is in the comfort that the Lord brings. The other stuff is just temporary. You know, as I hear, as I hear that, I think back to um, after I lost uh, my mom and my sight, the rest of my sight in the same week, my drug of choice was get uh, text-based gaming. And I would play and I would play because there was a community there. You interacted, you became a character, and there was a community there. I knew the Lord, but I had also walked away from him because I blamed, you know. And so, I mean, but it took, you know, after five years of that, it took a lot for me to go, oh, crap, I'm actually addicted to this thing. I had heard people tell me that, but I was like, leave me that alone. You don't really know what's going on. Bug off. For me, I had to come to that place of, I don't want to be addicted to this anymore. Especially especially when you're playing games that are dealing in magic and occultic garbage and all that kind of thing. And you don't realize that you're opening doors. And then you finally realize and you're going, I don't want this. Sometimes when you go through things in life, you kind of think, okay, that's enough already. You know, but but there's always a reason for us to that temptation to pacify ourselves with things of this world is always there because I lost my mom when I was 25. I just found out two years ago that who I thought was my dad was not my dad. Another story there. But my um, stepdad just died. And, you know, life is hard. So along with, you know, recovery from whatever our addiction is, God has people on earth for a reason. You know, he sent his disciples out two by two. We need each other. And I had father issues, you know, because my dad was not an attentive dad. So I had to learn how to trust people. And so that means, you know, okay, maybe I'm not getting into my eating disorder. It's just me hanging with the Lord here. But he might want me to talk to somebody, to reach out, to get into somebody else's life, whether it's either through service or just telling them how I feel. And that was a hard thing for me, too, because God knows what we need. And he wants to heal every part of us that has been distorted by our, in my case, upbringing. And so it never really ends because we have our own ways of what we think is going to help us feel better when we're hurting. But God may say, you know, I want you to, I want you to talk to somebody. I want you to ask them to pray for you. It's like, huh? Wait, I'd rather run the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'd rather take care of myself here. I'm fine. I'm not getting, you know, maybe it's nothing. I'm not doing anything harmful. This isn't hurting anybody. And, and that's a scary thing too, but God knows what we need. I mean, he's all about restoration. Our families of origin may have destroyed us almost that is supposed to be a nurturing place but if that doesn't happen god's not gonna oh, okay now i have this thing i want you to do but i know you're an empty shell because of your family but oh well just go do it no god's not going to ask us to give us away something that we don't have you know he has brought people into my life that have healed that empty part of, of what my parents couldn't be 
you know, and he will do that. And it's a risk and it's scary, but it's kind of funny. You may think, you know, God, you want to do something for the Lord and the door could not be opening. And it could be because he wants you to have more of a foundation with relationships first and accountability. A lot of us, like, I know I'm this way. It's like, well, God, you gave me these gifts. I just want to fly. He says, hang on. Okay, come back. Go to your, go to your, back to church. I want you to talk to these people. I want you to get some prayer groups going here and, and, and other things. And he, cause he knows what we need. We, if it's just left to us, we'd crash and burn, you know, but he knows what kind of foundation we need. You may think, okay, I'm going through this. I'm dealing with a issue, whatever that issue is. Okay, Lord, I think we're good. And then he kind of goes, that was just one layer of the issue. As of late, that has been my experience with him where he will go, um, actually, that was one layer and we need to deal with this part. And I'm going, oh, really? Yeah, you know, that is actually a merciful thing, too, because it would be too much. I mean, I felt that way with 16 years of getting healed, of you know, going to counselors and so much inner healing. And, oh, it was just intense. And, you know, I've all, I wanted it to be just have somebody pray for you and it's all over. But it didn't work out that way. Yeah. The layers are, they can be shocking too. It's like, Whoa, I didn't realize this was here, but you know, our whole life, we put up protective layers to, to exist, you know, to um, survive. We, that's just how we are. You know, we start, that starts as children, you know, don't cry around somebody. They'll tease you, you know, sort of thing. So you stuff it down and, and then you come to the Lord and he, he's all about healing and restoring and, in his mercy, I think it's layers. Otherwise, would be it'd be too much. You know, it's so it's so crazy. Like right, you know, right now I'm I'm going through a situation where it's like I am. I thought this was dealt with. I really did thought think that this particular situation was dealt with, and then he just brought it back up in a whole new way that I didn't even realize was there. And I'm like, do I really want to touch this. Well, he re- he reveals to heal. Yeah, I've heard that before. So I totally, yeah. but I totally agree. Yeah, with you. it does. And we just, you know, we have that first as the revealing. We run. <laughs> it's like, no, I did that already. Yeah, yeah, I know. And you know, it's interesting that you said that because once you go off of drugs and alcohol, you don't need those to survive. If you're addicted, and it's not, you know, there's nothing medically that you need it. However, with food, you have to eat. So three times a day, you got to get your fingers in your drug. That's where it can be, you know, difficult. And that's where it's easy to slip off the edge again into an eating disorder. I mean, I pray in the kitchen probably more than any place just because I know I can be. It's true what, you know, Overeaters Anonymous says you, you're one bite away. You know, I've known people who have gained 100 pounds back and their first bite was some sugar sweetened cereal that they were not going to ever eat. So that's why, you know, it's important to have no bad food. You know, yes, there's healthy food. There's not so healthy food. There's foods that might make you tired, food that will give you energy, but there's no bad food in the way that eating disorder people use the word bad, meaning if they eat some bad food, they're bad. Otherwise, what are you going to do? You're going to want that food you can't have. You're going to see somebody eating it and you're going to think about it and think about it. And then this happens so many times. And then the next time you're around that food, I'm going to have one. I'm going to have two. Oh, dear. That, that has a lot of carbs. I'm finding that with soda because I just got off of soda, which 
has been a very long battle and I'm finding, okay, I'm drinking this over here, but I'm, you know, you walk into a fast food place, it's everywhere. It is. And it's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're suddenly going, I'm not going to go there. Dang it. No. <laughs> yeah, that is a big one. I started drinking Zevia. It's with, just with Stevia and Walmart has it now. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't set up any cravings and it doesn't change blood sugar or anything like that. And a lot of times I think it's the carbonation that we crave too. So there's lots of carbonated waters out there. Yeah, well, let me ask you this, uh, as we as we kind of think this through, um, and we wrap it up, maybe someone's listening, and they're realizing, you know what, you're talking about something I'm struggling with. How do I get out? I would talk to somebody, I would start with if you are, you know, involved in a church or prayer, get prayer. And then if you're thinking that this is you, you there's lots of places online where you can go and find out do I have a disorder and know that you're not alone because one to 5% of Americans have some sort of, you know, disorder that is going on. Do not beat yourself up. That is a big thing. Do not beat yourself up. If you feel like you have this disorder, or maybe you think your child does and you haven't seen the signs, there is help available and seek help if it is at the point where it's life or death, get into counseling, any kind of counseling that you can, that's going to deal with this issue. Cause there is a lot of good counseling for eating disorders out there. I just always brought the Lord into it, you know, wherever I was getting counseling, if it, the gut person wasn't a Christian, because I felt like, okay, this is truth. They'll, they'll deal with some of the same sort of things that they deal with just anyone that's getting off of drugs or alcohol or obsession or something like that. So um, to summarize, I'd say pray about it. Ask God what to do. If you're, you know, if you know the Lord, if not, you know, invite him in to help you. Don't feel anything wrong with that if you don't know him yet, because that's how I got to know him. You say, God, if you're there, help me help me with this. Show me what to do. Show me, is this a problem? And he will begin to direct you and speak to you because he wants you whole. He wants you healed. He loves you. Even if you don't love yourself. You know, I think that that's kind of a key thing. And I think that's a good place to end. And and I will repeat it guys. Um, If you're at a place that you don't know God, but you've got a lot of hangups and eating disorders, addictions, whatever they are. If you got a lot of hangups, but you don't know God. You don't even know if he exists or whether he gives a care about you. We both have been there and asked him, well, God, do you really give a care? I mean, because I'm not seeing it here. I know for a fact he does. I'm not going to say it's going to be an, it's an easy path to walk. It's not. And, and anyone that tells you otherwise is lying to you. The Christian life is not an easy path to walk, but it is, it is fulfilling. And if you're at that place, then the Bible says that, um, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even one. That means I'm not, you're not, no one is. Okay. And so if you will confess that, hey, I'm a sinner, my life is a wreck, but God, I need you. I need to know if you're there. If you'll do that, then he'll meet you. And I can't tell you how many times... I've seen him meet people. My hope and my prayer is that this, this this conversation 
will meet someone where they're at and they can take the addictions to the cross. I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. Where can people find you and look you up if they want to reach out and contact you? Okay, LoreneMasters.com. That's L-O-R-E-N-E, Masters, M-A-S-T-E-R-S. And I have a couple Facebook pages, Hungry Heart, which I post encouraging posts for anyone who's on this eating, this, you know, journey, body image journey. And also just Lorraine Masters on Facebook too. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Lorraine, it's been a pleasure. It really has. Well, you too. You are very good. I felt such power when you prayed. I was like, whoa, I better sit down here. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, I was like, that is so cool. (laughs) I don't know when I last felt that much power. It's just neat. I have a lot of people I can thank for teaching me how to pray in such a way. It was God. and technique. It was this power of God. I felt it. <laughs> I guys, and that's the thing, you know, I don't just hop on the mic and interview someone, guys. I, I pray before every single interview. I do every single one because I want to bring out the best and I want to bring out the gold because I know there's people out there that need to hear uh, the message that we bring. As long as there's food obsessions and these wacko food diet, you know, Terry restrictions, there's going to be issues with food. Until, um, you know, Christ comes back, we're going to still be in, in a war. And the Bible says that we are at war. And, you know, the enemy loves to use stuff like food addictions, like any kind of addictions to trip people up and mess people over. That's what he does. But you know what? The Bible says we are victorious. So, guys, I think we'll end it there. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me, Teresa, at unresolved.life. And um, I actually have a Facebook group. It's the Unresolved Life community. And I would love it if you would find us there. And just introduce yourself. Hey, I listened to this and uh, on this episode. Just introduce yourself. Um, and I would, I would love to interact with you. And let's see what God does. But with that, I'm Teresa Blaze. This has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. We will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.